All right. Hello. Welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and your host of Business Matters. We have another excellent show scheduled for today. Taylor Hodges is back in the house. Coming to you. Thank you, Taylor. Taylor is with Southern Capital Financial right here in Tallahassee, Florida. And he's been on the show before, and we have talked about investments. We've talked about 401k plans, retirement plans. College savings plans. College savings. That was a great show that we had. So if you haven't had the chance to watch that or listen to it, go check it out on Apple Podcast or YouTube or go to beanteam.com. Had some very good information, some stuff we probably want to have a follow-up on and go a little bit deeper in the in the knowledge book on that. That would be a special request. Yeah, cause that, that was uh, a lot of good stuff on that on the retirement plans, and that is, uh, that's is—that's been a popular show. Uh, we've had a lot of downloads, a lot of views of that because it, it affects a lot of people, both the employee employees out there that have a plan and the employers that want to set one up. So it's a it's a very good plan, a very good show that has a lot of good information in it. So I appreciate you doing that. And uh, today, uh, one of the things we didn't get into was insurance in the last show. So let's set this up. This is the uh, as you know, Taylor, since you've done this before, this is the pre-roll. This is the part of the show that we record before the the real show that's on the radio. Mm-hmm. So today, insurance. So let's kind of set up what we want to talk about on the show. So I know we're not doing property and casualty insurance, but what kind of insurance are we going to talk about today? Well, really, I mean, we, we, when we work with clients, there's really uh, – there's there's really something you have to look at and answer a question when you think about insurance is that's what's the purpose of insurance. You know, you don't want to have insurance to replace something that you can afford to replace. In other words, the purpose of insurance is to replace the things we cannot afford to lose. And so we're going to talk about maybe some strategies business owners can use to get a deduction on that premium and then what the tax consequences of the benefit looks like, as well as some ways that business owners can use insurance for both a asset building strategy as well as a replenishment strategy for some key executives good i think that's uh, that's a good way to put it so insurance we pay insurance premiums because those premiums are cheaper than if we had to go replace what's lost that's right so that's um that's a good way to look at that and kind of bring, brings that back into perspective so the the insurance we talked about we're gonna we're gonna look at life insurance we're gonna look at disability insurance mm-hmm. And then within each of those, there's different twists on those different different types, especially with life insurance. There's a lot of different types of life insurance. Yeah. Anybody that's ever looked at getting insurance before knows there's about 10,000 different ways these things can be structured. And the downside on that is, you know, insurance has got a reputation of being poorly sold, misused, and really misunderstood by not only the people selling it, but also the people that use it. And that's why we'd really try to educate people on knowing all the pros and the cons before they go down that road. Good. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned before, which I think is uh, is relevant and, and worth bringing up again, and it's it's not just with investments or insurance or our retirement plan, but in life itself, and that is balance. So balance, that's if, right. If we're looking at disability insurance, if we're looking at life insurance, we have to um, apply a bit of balance to that. So mm-hmm. it's not we're not going to put all of our disposable income into buying life insurance, mm-hmm. uh, just like we're not going to p- pile all of our extra money, disposable money, into our retirement plan. That's right. And, and, and one way to look at that is, you know, there's really three ways we protect ourselves. And you said it perfectly. There's insurance, which is, you know, the most expensive because we have to keep paying those premiums. And 
most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, that premium is a cost. You know, when I pay my car insurance, yeah, I'm getting a coverage for that, but that's not like that money is going into a savings account and I'm ever going to see it again. That money is a cost to the insurance company. So it is the most expensive, and, and in some ways it can be the least efficient because insurance, though it is needed, is always going to have that cap on it, right? If, if I'm talking about personal umbrella, it's going to come in $1 million, $2 million, $3 million, but many times you know, we see where liability may go over that liability breach of what that insurance policy is. So then where do they go for that extra amount if you don't have enough insurance? Exactly. They come back to they our balance in. sheets. That's right. Yeah? And so you know, insurance, though it is important, can be the most expensive and the least efficient way to protect ourselves. And so while we're going to talk about some good insurance strategies here for both business owners and personal, the other two ways we protect ourselves that are less expensive and more efficient are properly structuring our entities, so LLCs, S-corporations, then also legal documents. So those three areas, if they're locked down tight, we can really help ourselves kind of get around the liability as well as the potential loss or the you know the the loss risk that we have through insurance and those other protection areas good those are uh let's put that under other and that is a that's a the how you title your asset or asset ownership that's that's one way to look at that that's right um you have entities you have uh we've done shows before that that discuss just the how you title your assets can be really important on how you protect them as well so and it also varies state to state exactly yeah it's it's like sales tax you know that varies in every state just like the uh the ownership of your assets may may vary that way as well so taylor anything else we want to hit before we uh we get started with the show strap in and hold on all right so uh we're going to let john play us a little music and we're going to start for the we're going to start recording for the radio show and that radio show is real talk 93.3 that is on every Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Check us out on YouTube. Look for Business Matters uh, Bean Team under on YouTube. Uh, we have a lot of information inside the, the show there. We put a lot of documents there, a lot of stuff about the show. So uh, go to that, subscribe to it, so you'll get notified as we post up future shows. We're also on Apple Podcast. If you just want to listen to the show, uh, you can download that and listen to it as you drive around or walk around town. So uh, YouTube. Apple Podcast, and we're also on beanteam.com. YouTube, look for Bean Team, and we're at Business Matters. So with that being said, John, let's have some music, and we'll get started for the radio show. Welcome to the Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove. On Business Matters, we discuss the issues that matter to your business. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and BeanTeam.com. And now here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Good morning. I am Charles Musgrove with BeanTeam and your host of Business Matters. We are back for another great show on Real Talk 93.3. Thank you for joining us. Today we have Taylor Hodges in the house again with Southern Capital Financial. Welcome back, Taylor. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. This is going to be another great show. If you remember, Taylor's been on the sh- he's been on the show before. We've done two shows with Taylor. Go check them out on Apple Podcast or YouTube. You've got some great information there. We talked about the retirement plans, college saving plans, four hundred one k plans. So check that out for uh, if you want to you want to get a recap, if you want to listen to or watch it again. Good information, and today is going to be another great show Taylor I know you're bringing some knowledge to the show well yeah I mean the you know the first two shows we talked about 
how to save money and how to maybe disinherit Uncle Sam a little bit on what we put into our accounts. So, you know, we want to pay Uncle Sam because we owe him taxes, but we don't want to tip him. Exactly. Good. Good point. I like that. (laughs) And now we're going to look at how to protect that money. Right. So we've put it away. We know about taxes. Now, how do we keep what we've got and kind of protect that loss or that uh, that that loss or that risk of loss so that everything that we've built and everything that we're doing can stay with us and maybe stay in our family name for future generations. Good. I like to um, one of the th- one of the hashtags I like is protect this house. Wow. Under so, Armour. So that is uh, not to steal that from Under Armour, but that's what that's what we're that's doing. What it is, I mean, we, we are we're building assets. And we're building that for for the future. We're building that for our family. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? We do that with several ways. And we're gonna we're gonna lead the show with let's talk about insurance. So mm-hmm. there's different types of insurance that we can help protect the house, protect our assets that we build up, and not only the assets that we've earned, but also the the ability to earn assets. So that's part of it as well. That's exactly right. And and. You know, I'm not in the insurance business. I don't work for an insurance company. Um, you know, not in the the property casualty fields at all. But I do know enough in the disability and the life insurance areas that we go through a pretty in depth planning process with our clients. And you know, especially if we're working with a younger client, one of the first questions we ask is, "What happens to your financial situation? You know, if if anything stops with your income, you know, what's your most valuable asset?" And many times people will say, well, it's the house or, you know, it's the car or, you know, some good husbands will say it's my wife. <laughs> but but really, it's the ability to earn an income, because if that stop, what happens? You, you stop. We stop. Right. Yeah. So the first area, you know, to kind of cover when you're looking at your own personal uh, insurance, I guess, strategy would be where are you in that timeline as far as your your age and how far are you from retirement is protecting your income or that kind of pay or paycheck insurance as we call it is that necessary you know are you able to self-insure and that if that income stopped you're going to be okay if that answer is yes then continue on if that answer is no then you may need to kind of look at some of these things we're going to talk about good i I think if uh if you think of it like a like a football player, professional football player. So they're all, they always have a risk of injury. So mm-hmm. if they get injured, they could have a career ending injury. So then what happens? So you always understand that even, even good college players, they start to look at disability policies or some type of protection mm-hmm. to protect that earnings ability. Well, and, and you mentioned a really good point there is many people, when they think of disability insurance, you know, the immediate thing that comes to mind is, oh, what happens if I get hurt? Right. Well, more, I mean, more, way over 50% of the claims for disability insurance actually comes from sickness and disorders, not actual injury like I fell and hurt myself or, you know, I, I have a back injury. It's generally from muscular disorders, cancers, or, you know, like I said, other type of diseases, not so much the actual physical injury side of things. So it, it is very important that if you, you know, I call it mailbox money. If you don't have mailbox money that can pretty much keep your entire plan going through reoccurring income, maybe that be from rental properties, or if you get dividends from stocks that are set aside, if that doesn't completely cover your expenses, then something along these lines would be, you know, obviously not required, but would be good to look into. Absolutely. So, uh, gosh, I think we beat around the bush with that. I'm going <laughs> to put this up for those that are that are watching on on YouTube. You'll see kind of a an outline of what we're going to talk about today. But let's start with disability, and then mm-hmm. we'll go into the life insurance. Yeah, with with disability, you know, the main thing there's a couple things to look into, and I'm just going to kind of touch on the the 
the summary areas because if you if this is something that you need you need to look into then you need to consult a professional to talk about it because just like charles mentioned earlier in the show there's ten thousand different ways to construct these things and some are very good and others are very bad uh the number one thing that we usually start with is a why do you need it you know the point of disability is to replace a percentage of your income generally that's going to be between 60 and 70 percent you know why that is taxes well taxes yes but you also can't be incentivized to stay home it needs to be a little bit less than your gross income. If not, people are just going to sit home and collect a check. But yes, taxes, because if it's personally owned, then that benefit usually comes tax-free. So that's a, that's a key thing is if, you know, with my disability coverage, um, if something happened to me where I couldn't work, then income would come to my household completely tax-free because I'm paying the premiums after tax. Now, one thing, and, I, and again, I'm not going to go into too much detail on that, but one thing that uh, I am going to come back to disability on is it is one of those key areas, whether you think you should have it or not, to where, and this is just the way that I look at it, you know, I don't want to be morbid here, but to me, disability insurance is almost more important than life insurance to me. Because, you know, if I pass away, then we have things set up inside the business that my uh, my junior executives step in, they buy the shares for my wife through the buy-sell agreement, but I'm gone and my wife can go on with financial benefit. Well, if I become disabled, I'm not dead, right? you know, but now I'm a cost, right? right? So exactly. there's no income coming in, but I still have to be taken care of. So that, that's something a lot of people don't think of is, is especially for people in the, um, the millennial generations, uh, disability is a much more harmful impact than either even death on their families if they do have a young family absolutely i yeah. totally agree and that's uh that is that is borderline morbid but that's reality mm-hmm. it's um you know if you're if you have a debilitating injury or or disease then then that's that's a lot more costly than than death that's exactly right so uh i think that is that's the important there's a there's a lot of things to try to ensure for that long-term illness long-term care policies and things like that but we're we're going to discuss disability insurance right uh let's talk about let's dive a little bit deeper into the disability types of policies what are you looking at with that how much uh is can be underwritten so Mm -hmm. what's the most you can get coverage for yeah so the the good thing about if you own it personally so in other words you know if if you work for the state or you know here if you work for the state of florida we're in tallahassee then you know we work with a lot of state employees and disability insurance is offered through many group benefits, you know, such as the state of Florida. That has its own kind of special breed. You know, many times the definition of disability there is what they call a modified own occupation. You know, if you get personal disability insurance and you own it yourself, you kind of have a little bit more control and it can come with you or it moves with you as you, you know, move from employer to employer if you leave a job. And it also can be non-cancelable. Meaning, and I, I know I sped that up, non-cancelable is, I always say that word wrong, but that means that the company can't cancel it on you. In other words, it's going to be in force as long as you pay those premiums. And, and that's and that's a very important thing with disability. So with disability, the personal side, like I said, if you own it personally, you pay the premiums after tax, generally the benefit is going to be tax-free. The caveat there for business owners is if you do own a business, you can actually have the business itself own the policy on yourself as the business owner, the business can pay the premiums and those premiums can be deducted as a deductible expense to the business. However, when the benefit is paid, if you do file a claim, then it's taxes income to you know the insured because 
nobody's ever going to pay your taxes for you. The taxes, the taxes have to be paid going in or they're going to be taxed on the benefit coming out. But that is an option for business owners. They can get a deduction on the, on the front end premium. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at that is, is um, everyone likes to avoid the tax situation. But if you get a tax break on the front end, you're going to pay it back on the back end. That's right. So uh, there, there are no free lunches. So if you you are if like you're doing if you're if you're paying those premiums after tax then you're basically paying that cost up front yep. so that when you get the money you get the full amount of that of that benefit in the in the future mm-hmm. if you need it so yep. I, I think you're kind of getting the pain over with early you know what you're going to get and you're going to get a hundred percent of that in the future so that's right uh t- tell us about the I know you mentioned sixty to seventy percent is that really a, a good rule of thumb as as matching up with your current income well it's that's generally the maximum so you know an insurance company is is not going to you know underwrite you as you said earlier or give you more insurance than you're technically uh, allowed to have you have no you'll never be able to collect that amount and so when they underwrite for disability insurance they actually want to see income proof so you have to submit pay stubs you have to submit tax returns and they look to actually make sure that you know John Doe is making $200,000 a year. He's not really making $50,000 a year. He's going to run outside in front of a car, break his foot, and make a claim for $200,000 a year. Right. They're going to make you prove you're making that money. Right. But the point being that when you do file a claim, you know, if everything was justified and the policy went through, then you would file a claim and the benefit would be six, up to 60 to 70% tax-free when it's paid out. Now, you can get any amount of coverage up to that 60 or 70%. You know, if, if I make, you know, just round numbers, if I make $1,000 a year, then, yeah, I could have a policy that pays me $2 a year, right? It's whatever we want it to be, but generally the max is at 60 up to 70%. That. Tell, I know you've mentioned this briefly, but the, the importance of defining what your occupation is, mm-hmm. I know that that's very important in, in, the, in your disability policy because you don't want to be able to work but not work as the high, the high wage earner that you were before, and maybe you're now you can only do mundane tasks and and get paid a lot less. Yeah, that, that and that's one of the most important pieces when you're looking at disability insurance, whether it's going to be business owned or personally owned, is that definition of disability. And that's one of those areas that there's 10,000 different definitions. Generally, the best definitions are one sentence. It's very clean, very easy to read, and it says that. You will be paid a benefit if you can't perform the duties of your occupation, right, of your own occupation, meaning, and that's, and that's what they call an own occupation definition of disability, meaning that if I become disabled and what I, what I was doing when I became disabled, my job, because if I change jobs, then I have to update my job description with the disability company. Every time I change jobs or my income goes up or down, we have to notify the company so that the benefit is still what it needs to be. So if I become disabled or, you know, if I get sick or injured and I have to file a claim, then that own occupation definition says that I'm going to collect that benefit if I can't do my job that I'm trained to do that I was doing when I became disabled, even if I can go do something else outside of my trained occupation and earn an income doing that. You know, so that that's a, that's the definition that you want. That's that's the uh, a white collar, very good definition of disability. The other end of that spectrum is what they call any occupation. And that definition essentially says that if I become disabled, that insurance company is not going to pay me a benefit unless I can't do any job whatsoever earning an income. So, you know, the question I ask people is, 
it, it's kind of that situation because it's not so much more expensive, uh, the one definition than the other. It's just that you need to know what you have. But to me, and this is personal, I'm never going to pay a premium because, you know, like we said earlier, premium's a cost. That money is that, gone. That money's gone. Right. Why would I pay a premium for a company that I have a low likelihood of ever actually collecting that benefit? Exactly. And, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. That's up to that person to decide, but that's just the way that I look at it. No, I think that's a, that's yeah. a very good perspective to have. The um, Now, you'd mentioned one thing that if you if you change occupations, then you have to notify the carrier. Mm-hmm. So I could see where if you go from earning 50000 to to 100000 your occupation has changed. You want to make sure that now you can you have the ability to increase your your coverage. That's right. So what if you go from a hundred to fifty? Do you have to notify them then that you're now really if you if you bought that policy early mm-hmm. when you're making a hundred, now you're basically overinsured if it was going to start over. Is do you have a requirement to notify them of that also? You're you're supposed to notify the insurance company for a decrease because then you're paying for a premium for a benefit that you really are not going to collect because they're going to look at your previous pay stubs when that claim is filed. Right, so if you go to from making a hundred to fifty, and then all of a sudden a year later of you making fifty thousand dollars a year, you file a claim for a hundred thousand dollars, you know those they could challenge it. They could challenge that, right? And then you're back in the same boat of paying a higher premium for something you have a low likelihood of ever collecting. Now, if people want to take that risk and gamble on that, by all means, I would also advise you to go to Vegas and try your hand there. But that's not something I would tell anybody to 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 trust in collecting a benefit on. Okay, so the the point there is up or down, mm-hmm. if you have an occupation change, then you need to notify the carrier that's because right. that's that's going to affect your both your the the premium that you're paying as well as the the benefit that you're buying. Yes. All right, anything else? What about waiting period? Yeah, and and those are the other kind of uh, decisions that have to be made and it's going to be customized to every individual situation. So a waiting period is going to be that situation to where you know, if I become disabled, I have to wait three months, six months, or a full year of I'm self-insuring that gap before the benefit kicks on. So, for instance, a 180-day waiting period is a pretty common one. That's a six-month waiting period. That means from the time I become disabled and my income stops that I am self-insuring that. I'm using my own savings for the first six months, and then the benefit kicks in. The reason for that is it does make the premium less expensive because we're self-insuring for longer. It's just like a deductible on your car insurance. It's how much are you going to self-insure versus how much insurance are they actually protecting us, and that's going to change the premium. So, you know, varies from person to person on what the waiting period, but generally it's, you know, as close as 30 or really on short-term disability, it can be as early as one day. On long-term disability, generally it's going to be 30 days out to one year. Good. And that one of the things that, that I've thought about or that, that has been talked to me over the years is what you're, what you're really ensuring there is a catastrophic loss or something that you can't afford with, with liquidity that you have right now. So, And that goes back to that disability policy that you've got a waiting period of 180 days because really you're, you, you, you're ha- you should have the, the liquidity to cover that 180 days and it doesn't make sense cost-wise to pay for that being insured for that immediate 180 days. Yeah, and it goes back to what we said earlier is, you know, it comes down to we want to own the insurance on the things we can't afford to lose. You know, when I bought my, my iPad, 
they tried to, they were blue in the face to sell me the insurance package on the iPad. But I'm going to be upset. I'm not going to be happy if something happens to the iPad and I have to go out and buy a new iPad. However, I can afford to do that. So I'm not going to pay insurance for something that I can afford to replace. Just like my disability insurance, I can afford to self-insure myself for the first three months, six months, or one year. So I'm not going to pay a higher premium. Instead, I would rather put that money in my own pocket rather than just pay it to an insurance company. Right. Good point. Let's move now to, to life insurance. So I think that's where we had started or you had made reference to a life insurance policy that uh, a lot of times death can be cheaper than yeah. than hanging on with a, with a disability cost. So uh, let's talk about the, the, life ins- the types of life insurance policies that we should look at. Mm-hmm. The cheaper type, the more expensive type, if they're owned individually, if they're owned inside of a business. So there's a lot of variables in that, and also the reasons why you'd want to have a life insurance policy. Yeah, and and there's a lot that goes into that conversation. And if you boil everything down, we talk about the types. Just like disability, there's a you know ten thousand different ways you can structure a policy. Anywhere, anything from term to to whole life to universal to index, and 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 it continues on. But if you boil everything down, you know, on one end you have term insurance, and on the other end you have permanent insurance, one that's, way, shape, or form. Exactly. That's the way to look at it. Right. So, And on, the, on those spectrums also is the cost. Exactly. So yeah. the term is going to be, I would think, a lot cheaper than permanent. Well, it, it is, but it's also the way that it's structured. You know, again, and, and this comes into that area that I think, you know, again, I don't work for an insurance company, but I think insurance has been very misused, missold, and misunderstood because I do use insurance in my personal planning as a savings mechanism. You know, we talked about last time that there are income limitations to putting money into a Roth IRA or, you know, maybe you have access to a Roth 401k. So for some of our business owner clients that we help, a a life insurance policy is one of the ways that we use for tax-free savings. And it can also help offset market risk because in some ways there's no market correlation if they're structured like that, if that's what it's meant to do. But term insurance is kind of like car insurance or that disability insurance. It's cheap. It's, you know, it's going to be cheaper than permanent most days. However, it is a cost. You know, we pay that premium and yes, we're getting a benefit. We have coverage during that time period, but we don't get that money back. That money's gone. Right. right? We only get the benefit if we die. That's exactly right. So it's cost versus a permanent policy. And and I'm not going to go down this path because again, there's 10,000 different ways to structure it, but generally how we help clients structure them, if, if it's done like, you know, like we help clients do it, then it's not really a cost. It's a cash flow. So it's a cost versus cash flow because with some permanent policies, again, you, you have access to your entire premium that you put into it plus a guaranteed rate of return and a dividend. And so if it's structured to do that, then there is no cost at all. It, it's a cash flow because, again, we have our entire premium plus a guaranteed rate of return and a death benefit. However, it is going to be a higher cash flow than this cheap term insurance cost. So term insurance definitely serves a purpose. I mean, I'm not bashing on term insurance. However, it is one of the most profitable lines of business for any insurance company out there. It's really where they they break in the big bucks because they know, you know, if I buy a 30-year term policy for, you know, call it $2 million, that I'm going to pay, say, $1,000 a year for that. And at my age, they know based on their – the tables. Yeah, their tables. There's a low likelihood of me dying. Right. So they know they're going to collect my premium for 30 years, and there is a very low statistical chance that they're ever going to pay out that benefit. That's right. So yeah. one of the things that uh, that I know people go through, I've gone through this, my wife has gone through this, I know that you've gone through this, uh, there's 
different levels of medical testing required too, based on the the coverage that you're buying with life insurance. Mm-hmm. So in general, what are the when do they come? Stick a needle in you and draw blood, or do a heart test, or that kind of stuff. Uh, what we've seen is uh, the the more you want, the more they want to know, right? So it, the the more you go up that benefit scale, so you know as you start crossing into the millions and tens of millions, they're going to want to know more medical information. They're going to want to know your history. They're going to want to know. They're going to want to come come and take blood. They're going to want to you know check your your measurements and ask you how much you weigh, how tall are you, and get those details. If you're if you're, you know, getting a hundred thousand dollar policy, many times there, you don't have to do underwriting for that. You, you can literally just sign a piece of paper, and they say we'll, we'll take your word for it. So it could go from just a conversation to the to the guy on the other side of the phone to them coming in your office, having you lay on the couch and doing a stress test, yeah, taking and, blood, and the whole deal, and asking all the personal questions you didn't want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Did you do this? Have <laughs> you done you that? Do this? Uh, never. Yeah. So uh, good. That's good information. Make you I, relive your college yeah, days. I, yeah, I know that that also uh, that that causes people to to do a uh, they take pause if they know that they're going to be checked that rigorously for life insurance. So yeah, it, it makes you do a do I really want that? Well, and and you're right, it does. And the conversation around that is, you know, you have to understand a what you're getting and b why you're getting it. Why are you going through this process, and is it really worth what you're, you know, what you're putting into this? Is it going to benefit your plan? And so, when we talk about life insurance on the personal side, it, the the need has to be what is that benefit for? You know, if something happens to me, the benefit for my wife is that income's going to come into the house. She doesn't care if it's term permanent, buried in a can in the backyard. She just wants to make sure money's going to come in and everything's going to be okay, right? And the same thing goes with the business and the buy-sell agreement. You know, any business that has any type of partners or any kind of employees, that's something that we would talk about with the legal documents. But a buy-sell agreement is extremely important because if something happens to me, I can guarantee you my business partners do not want to be in business with my wife and my wife does not want to be in business with my business partners. That's but, that's a true point. But that's not, how the shares transition. Exactly. And that's not just about your wife. That's what it, that's what the conversation I have with every business right. owner is that that needs to be in place because the spouse or the family member doesn't want to be in business with the partners that you have and vice versa. It's nothing personal. It's just it doesn't work. Well, and also what financial benefit does my wife have in owning shares of a financial firm? It's not liquid, right? Right, and so if there's a buy sell agreement in place, then the spouse, the the surviving spouse, gets the financial benefit, and the firm or the other partners get the shares benefit. So everybody gets what they want out of it. And without life insurance, so that's what they call life insurance. In that case, would be just a key a key man policy. So like on a key employee, like an owner or an executive, if then I'll use myself. If I if I passed away. A, we have a term insurance policy that the business owns on me, Southern Capital owns on me, and money would come into the firm that would be used to buy the shares from my wife. Without that, then any business that, that has an exiting shareholder or a, a shareholder that passed away in order to buy those shares, what are they going to use? Right. They got to use their own personal assets to buy that. Yeah, so, they got they got to use cash. Right. So the likelihood of that happening is is very remote. So a lot of people use life insurance for that purpose and i know that's one of the planning vehicles that that you use as well is uh, life insurance is important Uh, that's one of the the key reasons that businesses own life insurance is that it funds that buy sell that's right to uh, really have the liquidity for ownership transition it's a just-in-case scenario yeah and you can do you can use that life insurance also for a regular transition of ownership as well not just through through the uh 
through the death of one of the owners. Yeah, and, and there's some really fun executive tax strategy you can look at as well that can be used with permanent, but for just the key person, it's really good for that buy-sell strategy. All right, we're going to wrap up the show. Taylor Hodges with Southern Capital Financial right here in Tallahassee, Florida. Thank you so much. And just to recap, check this out. We have business matters. We talked about insurance, disability, life insurance. We did not get to talk about other ways to protect your house, but we will do that in a future show, I am quite sure. I am Charles Musker with the Bean Team and host of Business Matters. You have been listening to us on Real Talk 93.3 every Sunday at 1130 a.m. Check us out next week. Have a great day. Have a blessed week. Peace and love. The Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove is sponsored by The Bean Team. For all your business accounting and tax preparation needs, visit beanteam.com or call 893-7710. You can listen to more episodes of Business Matters on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or visit beanteam.com.